I realize that many of you are surprised to see me up here this morning. I want to join with you that I'm surprised to see myself up here this morning. Uh, Last year, Bart told me, he said, now look, at the end of the Ecuador trip, you never know how flights go, you never know how health goes. So last year, he told me to be prepared. So I had three weeks to be prepared, and he called me Saturday night and said, everything's fine, don't you worry about it. And I said, great. I was excited about that, but I had three weeks preparation and, uh, and didn't use it then. I actually came in, well, a few weeks after that, he asked me um, to preach, and so I was able to preach the message I prepared that time. This year, on the other hand, he did not tell me to be prepared. So I got that message yesterday and was um, in the Sunday school conference yesterday and next to Tim, and I kept... Uh, checking the flights and checking to see what time did they make it, how much time is there in between to see what happens. But uh, it was, I'm excited to be here regardless, and I'm thankful because I do believe that the Lord um, has led me to be here this morning and to, to teach from His Word this morning. Thank you, Kevin, for reading the Scripture there. Let me make just kind of as I mentioned Kevin's name and Tim's name in the Sunday school um, training we had yesterday. Let me just say this, that I was extremely, extremely encouraged but all that took place yesterday, besides the fact that um, that I had a ribeye that was about this big around um, at the uh, Sunday school meeting yesterday, uh, I was encouraged by the turnout. 30-something, I think 34, maybe 35 people from Kingsville um, gathered together to, to pray and to talk through organization and talk through Sunday school, um, had a great time, and it was just very encouraging to see so many Respond, And, I, I mean, I'd heard about it two weeks before. I'm pretty sure it all happened pretty quickly. So for, um, for that many people to show up on that short notice um, and be willing to come together and, and study together and to pray together um, for God to do a work in our Sunday school, uh, in our church, that was a very, very encouraging, exciting. So I want you guys to, to be excited and encouraged by that. Also, just wanted to make plug for that for Tim and Kevin both. Um, working hand-in-hand hand and, and leading our Sunday school ministry. I'm very excited about the work and the excitement you guys have for it. And I've even talked to a few leaders. Even this morning, there were two different people I talked to that, uh, that mentioned the same thing. So thank you guys for your service uh, to our King. So our scripture this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me uh, get my, my notes together here so I know where we're where we're at, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, Kevin um, read for us 14 through chapter 6, verse 1. I'm not going to read through each of these, but I'll refer back at times, and I want you to see kind of the section as it went together. But beginning in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, excuse me, beginning in verse 11 is where this section starts. So I want to read this part for you. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord... We persuade others, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Let's pray together. Father, I pray, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing the truth of your word, the truth of what you promised us uh, for the impending judgment of all, and also the judgment seat of Christ in which all believers will stand before you and give an account for our lives the way we've lived our lives, Father, I pray um, that knowing this, that we would fearfully but also in love and knowing that you are a God full of love and mercy, um, Father, I pray that we would approach the throne 
in confidence knowing that you love us, you care for us, that you sent Christ to die for us, but also knowing um, that we are to take you serious, take your word serious. So, Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts and that you would find us faithful. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So verse 11 begins with this, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. Um, and it's an old adage, it's an old joke that we talk through in hermeneutics. I think I've said to the students a bunch of times, I heard Wes say to the youth a bunch of times, I've even heard Bart stand here and say, anytime you see in the scripture, therefore, you need to look and see what therefore is there for. So look back, what has he said that he now says, therefore? The verse right before that, he says this in verse 10. Um, actually, uh, yeah, in verse 10 he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So because every believer will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for our lives, give an account for how we've lived our lives, what we've done with what God has blessed us with. As Wendy talked about earlier, the spiritual gifts he's given us, the way he's blessed us to teach or to sing or to serve, the time he's given us, the resources he's given us. We will all stand before God, stand before Christ as judgment seat and give an account. Now this is different um, than what we know of as the first judgment in which we'll stand before God and based on Christ's righteousness, we'll either stand before him justified and reconciled, as this passage talks about, reconciled to him because of Christ's work, or we'll stand on our own work and the Father will say, depart from me for I never knew you. And he separates believers from unbelievers. Um, this is different than that. This is where all believers will stand before and give an account for how we served Christ, how we followed Christ. I mean, we know this, we, we, we speak of this as the beam of seed of Christ and the this, this second judgment here. But this is what Paul is referring to. And he says, based on that, believers, he's writing to the Corinthian church. So he's speaking to the believers, writing to the believers. And he said, based on the fact that we'll stand before God and give an account for the way we've lived our lives, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is also known to your conscience. The ministry of reconciliation is what Paul begins to talk about here. And that's where we're going to focus um, here as you skip down. Look on your notes here. Um, the first question I asked here based on the scripture that Kevin read uh, was this. Who did the reconciling? Now, sometimes these questions are very simple questions, and it seems very simple and easy. But I want to ask these questions and then try to walk through these carefully to see what the Scripture is teaching us about this. So here's the question. Who did the reconciling here? Reconciliation is the activity of God the Father. Reconciliation is the activity of God the Father. Look in verse 19. Verse 19, that is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself. Look in verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Look down to verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of 
of God. For our sake, he, that pronoun referring to God the Father, made him, that pronoun referring to God the Son, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the first point that I wanted to make and center everything around to begin with is this understanding that the rec- that reconciliation is the activity of God the Father. Reconciliation is the activity of God the Father. That is, in Christ, God was recon- reconciling. Verse 18, that all this is from God. He made him. This is similar to, I've heard somebody refer to this before and a few other passages are, well, these are Paul's version of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. You can go back and see this in, in Romans 5, 6 through 10. I want to read through this. The next point, if you're filling in on the blank and I want to get out of order, God is love. God is love. Reconciliation, the activity of God the Father, because God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have life, everlasting life in him. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. Tell you what, let's back up just one more verse to verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Particularly wanted to back up to that verse because we see the work of God the Father. We see the work of God the Son. But here in this scripture, in this context, we see the entire Trinity spoken about here where God demonstrates His love to us in sending Jesus. God's love is demonstrated to us in that fact that Jesus gave His life for us, God's love is demonstrated to us here. It's poured out. God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So we see the work as we've been studying in Sunday school. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Now let's pick up in verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person... One would even dare to die. Verse 8, but God shows his love. Or your text may say God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by this death, the death of his son, much more now We are reconciled. Shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's that term again, reconciliation. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What I'd like to point out, this is a couple of phrases here in this passage helps us to understand what God's love is like with the love of God the Father, the love of God the Son, and the love poured out through God the Spirit is like. Verse 6, while we were still weak. Verse 6, at the right time, Christ died 
for the ungodly. Look in verse 8. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. I want you to see the timing of this. That while we were still weak, at the right time, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, God sent his son to die for our sins. Not after we cleaned up our lives. Not after we had fixed it all ourselves, not after we tied ourselves up and pulled up our bootstraps and all the phrases that we use for getting our life together. Not after we figured it all out on our own. But while we were still weak, at the right time, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God. It wasn't that God so loved the world that was kind. God so loved the world that was good. God so loved the world that figured it out and figured out how to get their lives together. God so loved the world that was born into a Christian family. God so loved the world that might have happened to be born into a country that's predominantly Christian or has a lot of Christian influences. But the scripture says that God so loved the world. The still weak, still sinners, enemies of God. God loved enemies. And this is the work of God the Father, that God is Love. I hope you see the contrast here about enemies, weak, still sinners, and yet God is love. God so loved the world. The death of Christ demonstrates God's love. Romans eight thirty one through 39. I'm not going to read this whole passage. I just want to read one of the verses here. Romans eight thirty two. Romans eight thirty two. speaking of God's love. Romans eight thirty two says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So we struggle sometimes. Look, you see the very first verse that I read this morning. Therefore, knowing the fear of of the Lord. And we read through scriptures and we see scriptures um, all the time talking about fearing God and reverence to God, trusting God. But we have this picture sometimes that God is to be feared. And the truth is, yes, God is to be feared. But what we also need to know that God is love and God is to be trusted. And for all who believe in him, he's given the right to become children of God for all who believe to become children of God that God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Psalm 130 verse 4 write that on your page this is what Psalm 130 verse 4 says and go back and memorize this and commit this to memory because I think this verse here um, communicates this whole truth that we've come upon in these first five ten minutes but with you There is forgiveness, speaking of God. But God, with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. God, with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Because of God's forgiveness, because of God's love, may we have all and respect and love. And because there is forgiveness with God, there is forgiveness. May we fear and love and trust and respect God because... Of his love. On the cross of Christ, we do see God's judgment, but on the cross of Christ, 
we see God's love. Next question here. How did God do this reconciling? What did God do? How did God do this reconciling? Okay, reconciliation is through Christ and in Christ. Look with me to verse 18. Verse 18, all this is from God. From God, God the Father, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now look at it in verse 19. That is, in Christ, all this from God who did what? Who through Christ, verse 19, that is, in Christ. This reconciling happened through Christ, in Christ. God the Father reconciled us through Christ and in Christ. But now look in verse 21 to see this spelled out a little bit more clearly, a little bit more um, wider and greater of an understanding of how God did this reconciling. Verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. God made Christ to be sin so that we may become his righteousness. I've heard a scholar say at one time that this was the great exchange. This was the great transaction in which what God did was made his son to be sin. And that what we see in through that, through God making his son to be sin, through Jesus becoming sin, dying on the cross for us, that God makes us and gives us his righteousness. What God does is takes Christ's perfect life and perfect obedience, perfect submission to his will, and he, Christ is a sacrifice in which Christ's righteousness is attributed to my bank account. And that's what happens in that transaction, that Christ's righteousness becomes mine. And when, when God the Father looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ, and I am judged as righteous before God the Father at his throne because of Christ's work. I'm righteous, not because of my work, not because of what I've done, but because of what Christ did, looked at, and he looks in my account and says, everything I need here, perfection and righteousness I see in Steve's account because Christ put his account into my life. And what happens is God took my sin and took it away from me, and he put it on Christ, where I receive Christ's righteousness and Christ receives my sin. And even though he was perfect and didn't sin in any way, he was tempted in every way like we were, yet was without sin, that Christ gets my sin, I get his righteousness. That transition takes place there. The substitution takes place there. That God made Christ to be sin so that we may become his righteousness. Galatians 3 tells us that God cursed his own son. He made his own son a curse for us. What does this reconciling do to us? The third of the three questions. What does this reconciling do to us? Reconciliation makes us a new creation. Look here in verse 17 with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Because of Christ's reconciliation, this reconciliation makes me a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. As our banners say, the old is gone, the new 
has come. There's a bunch of bright blue t-shirts our students have run around wearing for the past month, month and a half. And they say this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. That if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Reconciliation makes us a new creation. Okay, we are new creatures. We are new creations. Humanity is broken, and because of sin, humanity is broken. And um, humanity's end goal is to sin. It's, humanity's end goal is to be happy in themselves and do of themselves. But the Scripture tells us that because of Christ, we are reconciled to Him. We're given a new life. We're a new creation. We're given a new way of life. We see this in the text, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Or your Scripture may say the love of Christ compels us. Because we have concluded this. One has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The second one here, reconciliation gives us a new commission. Okay, gives us a new commission. Look here in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation gives us a new commission. See, it gives us a new mission. It gives us a new job in life where before the old way of life was for ourselves. The old way of life um, was to live for ourselves. But the new way of life is that Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us. The scripture, 2 Corinthians three, eighteen, says this, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It says by beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the image of Christ. We're given a new commission. We're given a new mission. We're given a new job. The old way said you live for yourself. You live for your own glory. You live in your own way, and you do it on your own, and you look and see whatever makes you happy, do it. Whatever you think you'd like, whether it affects the person next to you and whether it hurts the person next to you, doesn't really matter. Do it your own way. But the new commission we've been given by God is to be ambassadors for Christ. God has entrusted to you and I the message of reconciliation. Now look with me to see. So what does this reconciling do to us? It gives us new creation. Or excuse me, it makes us a new creation. It gives us a new commission. How is it that we are made a new creation? The old has passed away. The new has come. Who through Christ 
God reconciled the world to himself. And how did he do this? This is more of the question, what does this do to us? How is this that God does this reconciling? By not counting our trespass, their trespasses against them. Not counting our trespasses against us. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So you see the two point, the new creation and the new commission right there in that text. By not counting their trespasses against them, they're a new creation. By not counting our trespasses against us, we're a new creation. We are justified before God based on him not counting our sins against us, but instead putting our sins on Jesus Christ, his son. But instead, we're given a new commission, which is the ministry of reconciliation. By not counting our trespasses against us, the first and the second, by entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. Let me just take one of these words and stay on it for just a moment. You see this word, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation? Remember back to our text that we looked at from Romans chapter 6, excuse me. From Romans chapter 5. Remember back to Romans 5 and see what was said here. Um, that God was reconciling the world to himself. Wasn't sure what was happening there, but I hear an echo. Oh, so, okay, here we are. Entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So remember back to Romans 5 when, I, when we said that while we were still weak, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies, think back to Genesis chapter 1. Think back to when God created everything and it was good. And then think to Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3 where we see that man sinned against God. God entrusted to us the whole world and said, here it is, it's good. But he said, stay away from that one tree. Obey me, trust me. Trust me that my word is right. Trust me that my ways are good. Trust me that I could be trusted. And what did we do? We gave up God's trust. We broke God's trust. And we sinned against God. But God made a way in Christ Jesus. And then here's what he's done. Through Christ Jesus, he has made us a new creation. And guess what he's done? He has entrusted to those who broke his trust the ministry of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation is given to those, entrusted to those who broke trust. But this time when God entrusted to us the message of reconciliation, what he did was he changed our hearts. And he made us a new creation. And he made us a new creation that could obey him. And he made us a new creation that instead of following by the law and just trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, he made us a new creation that this, that the love of Christ controls us, that the love of Christ compels us, that the message of the gospel, the law of of his word is written on our hearts and our hearts are compelled to obey him. And our hearts trust Him. And our hearts know that God the Father can be trusted. Because in God there's forgiveness. And through that may He be feared. Through trusting God, through knowing God, may He he be feared and respected and loved in return. As God makes us a new creation that can obey Him. 
And he gives us a new commission to obey him, a new commission to go out with this mission. I want to share with you just one example that happened in my life um, just two nights ago. Um, Those of you who know me real well, you know that um, I have a serious, serious crush on my wife. Love her dearly. Um, I am in awe in her presence most of the time. Um, And the Lord has given us together two beautiful little girls. And I love them dearly. And those of you who know me, you know how much I love my wife. You know how much I love my children. Um, But I want you guys to know before Laura Beth and before Julianne, those are my two daughters' names, I had one other daughter, and her name is Hannah Claire. Now, she's not really my daughter. She's my niece. But she's my little sister's baby girl, Hannah Claire. And Hannah Claire was born about a year and a half before Laura Beth was born. And before, so that was before we had children. Lizzie didn't have any and nephews yet. I didn't have any. She was our first. We doted over her. You can imagine what her first Christmas was like because we all pretended like she was ours and we all bought her all kinds of stuff. And her first Christmas she spent in our house. She spent her first Christmas in our house. And matter of fact, we asked her mom and dad, is it okay if we bring her and put her baby bed in at the foot of our bed? You remember this? And she woke up her first Christmas morning in my house at the foot of my bed. I'll tell her that forever. Um, but I love that little girl, okay? I love her dearly, and I thought I loved her just like I love my children. Um, Friday night, so we come in, and we're, we're, we're a little late coming in Friday night, or a lot late coming in Friday night, and the girls were tired, and Lizzie was putting Julianne to bed, and we're working with Laura Beth and Julianne, and get, so we got, I mean, and Hannah Claire, so we've got three girls we're trying to put down. Hannah Claire is seven, and so we're trying to put her down to take a nap, or put her down for bed. And uh, she gets in bed, Laura Beth gets in bed, but Laura Beth wants Hannah Claire to read to her. See, Laura Beth is five, Hannah Claire is seven. Seven year olds are really smart and can read. So, Laura Beth, instead of having mom or daddy read her story, she wants Hannah Claire to read her story. And apparently, he did it the night before and it worked fine. But this night, Hannah Claire said, Too tired. I don't want to read. I don't want to read to you, Laura Beth. So, Laura Beth, so excited, runs up, crawls up in her bed and says, You going to read this to me? She says, No. Laura Beth. Climbs down from her bed, runs in in tears, goes to her mama, and she's crying. And Lizzie says, what's the matter? What's the matter? She said, Hannah Claire won't read a story to me tonight. And I thought, I'll fix this. So I walked in there, really sweet and polite and kind. And I said, Hannah Claire, I know you said you're kind of tired, but Laura Beth really loves you a lot. And Laura Beth would really love for you to read her the story. It wouldn't matter a lot to her. This book only has six pages in it. Well, you know. Front and back six, so 12 pages, but I was trying to make it easier. Um, this book only has six pages in it. And I know you could read this really fast, and it would mean so much to Laura Beth if you could just do this. So can you do that for me? So in that moment, and okay, she's not the example here. I'm the example here. So in that moment, I was furious. I was furious. I had asked her nicely. I am her good uncle. I am sweet to her. I hold her hand, I buy her ices, I, I kiss her, hug her, I am sweet to her, and I thought the least she could do for me was what I asked her. I mean, what kind of a, how difficult is it to do that? But she wouldn't, so I said, okay, all right, well, I'll read the story. And I pulled out the book, and I said, here, Laura Beth, and I kind of had it turned where only Laura Beth could see it, where Hannah Claire kind of couldn't see it, and then I was, felt bad, so I turned it for them both to read. And so I, I read through the entire story, okay, read through all six pages, um, fumbled through some of the words, 
and I figured it out and read the story. But as I read the story, I kind of hammed it up, and I kind of made it a little bit more special, and I kind of made it kind of cute and pointed at the pictures and made a story within the story. And I said, look, Laura Beth, here's you, and here's Julianne. It was a baby, and her, it was a, like a, it was a, a story about a child who's had a new little sibling that came in, so I was kind of relating. And, and I think I hammed it up pretty good. So guess what happened? Hannah Claire is too tired to read six pages on her own, sat straight up. You know, and she's watching, and she's clapping and, like, getting into it and all excited. And I looked over at her, and I said, kind of tired, aren't you? And then I went back and read the rest of the story. But here's what I, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want to share with you. Um, when, I, when I left that, that moment, I left from there and began to be under conviction. Because the Lord has blessed me with a few more days with Hannah Claire, who I love dearly. I still love dearly. And since then, she's been an angel to me. Um, or I didn't get mad at her. Maybe my heart's different about it now. Um, but the Lord didn't give me these couple of days with her for just my benefit. But God has called me to be an ambassador for Christ. And she's going to be here with me for a couple of days. And it is God's call on my life to raise my children as ambassadors for Christ. To myself be an ambassador of Christ to my children. For these students to lead you guys in this way, to be an ambassador to everywhere I go, every place I go. In that moment, I was selfish, and I was thinking about myself, and I was thinking about my child too, but I was thinking about how it made me feel. And here's what I want to do to relate this to you guys. God has, given, has made us a new creation. God has given us a new commission. When you go to work, and that person is just annoying to deal with, God has called you to be an ambassador of Christ. You are there. Yes, you are there. But we've got to remember we are everywhere we are as God's ambassadors for his kingdom. When we go to school, we come to youth group, when we go on trips, when we go on mission trips, when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the restaurant and our server maybe doesn't match up to our expectations, wherever it is that we go, whoever it is that comes to our house, invades my house and won't read a story to my little girl? Remember, we are Christ's ambassadors who has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. One has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Ministry would be so easy if it wasn't for people. It's a joke we make all the time. Those of you who work with people, which is most of us, our jobs would be a lot easier if we weren't working with people. But it's the love of Christ that controls us because we've concluded that one died for all, therefore all died. Two types of reconciliation in this passage. This is kind of sums up a lot of what we've talked about. We've seen kind of a pattern. Two types of reconciliation in this passage. Hebrews ten fourteen tells us that in one moment God made perfect forever those who are being made perfect. So we see this moment of, of talking about justification. Justification is where God declares us right because of the work of Christ. But then there's a part of salvation that begins at justification in which we are sanctified for the rest of our lives. In one moment, God makes us positionally perfect. In one moment, 
God declares us right before Him, but for the rest of our lives, until we die and stand before God, we are being made holy. We are being made into the image of Christ. And God is working in our heart in sanctification. Reconciliation, uh, two types of reconciliation in this passage. There's a reconciliation of justification, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old passed away, new has come. This is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So the reconciliation where Christ reconciled us to himself, that's seen there, the reconciliation of justification, where we're reconciled to God that way. But there's also a reconciliation of sanctification. Park with me for just a moment on verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Now remember, this is the letter written to the Corinthians. Paul has just said that we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So he's clearly talking to believers. The letter is written to the Corinthian believers. And he's clearly writing this. We are ambassadors. Paul calls himself as an apostle. He is, he, is, he is covering his apostleship. And he is testifying to his apostleship. He's testifying to the message through, um, through him and through them. And so as he's speaking to them, this is what he says to them. We implore you on behalf of Christ. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. So this reconciliation is not the same as the justification. Because he's not saying, okay, you believers, be saved. You that are justified already, now be justified. You that are right before God, be made right before God. We see this as reconciliation of sanctification. Where God is working through a process in believers' hearts and lives in which he is conforming us and transforming us into the image of God. And I ask you to write this down and read through this 2 Corinthians 3.18 where it says, By beholding the glory of God, by beholding Christ's face, by beholding Jesus, we're being transformed into his likeness. By looking upon Christ our Savior, by reading his word and seeing who God is and seeing who Christ is, we are being transformed by looking into Christ's face, by looking at the gospel, by reading the gospel, by speaking the gospel, the Spirit putting inside of our hearts, putting in our hearts this transformation that comes by obedience and comes through looking into Christ's face. Reconciliation of sanctification. Verse 14 and 15. Note that we no longer live for themselves. Instead, for him who for their sake died and was raised. I'm going to ask our musicians if they would come forward. Our simple invitation this morning is this. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. To God. If you're in this place and you're an unbeliever, you're not trusting in Christ for your salvation, that you think that you've worked enough, or maybe you can straighten up your life in a way and you can work hard enough 
that you can figure this out and you can work this out on your own. The scripture says, be reconciled to God, who for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Be reconciled to, to, to God this morning. Be reconciled to God in this way that he gives you the righteousness of Jesus, his son. By How do you do this? By trusting in him, by believing in Jesus Christ, the one sent and who sent him. Believe in the love of God the Father that he demonstrated in Christ, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you're in this room this morning and you are a believer, the invitation is the same. Be reconciled to God. As Paul is talking to them and he's defending his apostleship and he's sharing with them that you have been entrusted the message of reconciliation, what does he say? Because you've been entrusted this message of reconciliation, you too yourselves be reconciled to God. The fact that Paul had to give a defense to the Corinthian church shows that there's a struggle here. And this is what Paul said to them. He didn't say, come on, guys, y'all get right with me. Y'all figure this out with me. You know what he said to them? Be reconciled with God. See, the problems with our relationships are not with each other. Problems with our relationships are with God the Father. And as you're reconciled to God the Father, then we're reconciled with one another. Our church finds unity and reconciliation with God. No longer live for themselves. Instead, for Him, for their sake, died and was raised. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that You would bring us into submission of Your will this morning. Father, I pray that we would be reconciled to you. Pray that we would be reminded as believers that we are right before you, that our righteousness is from Christ and not our own work. But Father, I pray that as believers that we would be compelled by your love, that we would be controlled by your love, that we would be transformed by the truth of your gospel, that you would bring reconciliation to our church this morning, to our families this morning. Father, I pray as you send us out to our jobs, to our schools, to our, the places we recreate, to the places we shop, to the places we live our lives, Father, I pray that we would know that we've been sent out as ambassadors, no longer to live for ourselves, but to live for the one who did not spare his own son, but loved us and gave himself for us. Father, I pray that your will would be done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You got to stand. Come down and pray ask you to do so if he's leading you to come join the church come do business with him speak to myself or to wendy or to kevin
Please do as the Lord leads.